Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open up the Bible here this morning, we pray that you would bless and anoint the reading of your word here this morning. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the activity and all the things that are going on in our lives. We pray that you would bless the service now, bless your word and, and the preaching of your word and the teaching of your word and the testimonies, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. All right, Matthew chapter 3, starting at verse 1, the Bible says this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now... The axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I love that last verse, as I mentioned last week. And I, and as I mentioned, we are, we're going to begin this study on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, specifically the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what is interesting is that, you know, I had been praying about this for a while, and I had not even been asking the Lord for any kind of confirmation, uh, but he's been so good to let me know that this is the direction that he would like for us to go. And I mentioned that uh, last week he showed me a few things. First of all, I shared how Nina asked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the basic doctrine. And again, none of these people even knew the direction that I was planning on going in. And then Danielle, she prayed that God would pour out his gifts of the Spirit on the church during one of our prayer meetings. I also shared how John Garcia Sr. had been encouraging me to always keep the altar open and encourage people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of speaking in tongues. And then we had our sister Darlene. How many of you were blessed by her testimony last week? We had our sister Darlene share her testimony of how the Holy Spirit literally saved her life. He revealed something to her. He gave her what the Bible calls a gift of the word of knowledge. He helped her to find something out or to know something that even the doctors didn't know with all their technology. God was able to reveal to her something about what was going on in her body, and it literally saved her life. And then on Monday of this past week, the very next day after I had began the study of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I hear this message on focus on the family during the, uh, the time that I was listening to. It was the first thing that I heard when I turned on the radio, when I was uh, getting the kids for vacation Bible school. And I want to play just a little bit of it. And just, just a little bit. It's going to, it's going to be a little teaser. Okay. If you want to hear the whole thing, you'll have to go into focus on the family website and hear it yourself. But this is the testimony that I heard on Monday. And I'd like for you to show that please, Danielle. It's one thing for God to touch somebody else. But when God touches you, I don't understand this right now. Because the first thought that comes to your mind, and it's the truth, I don't deserve this. And you don't. And that's what grace is about. Welcome to the Focus on the Family broadcast. Helping families thrive. Well, it's one thing to read about healings and miracles that occurred during biblical times, but it's truly unique to find a modern-day miraculous healing that was recorded on tape. And today, you're going to witness that healing. Our guest is Dwayne Miller. He's the pastor of Pinnacle Church on Cedar Creek Lake near uh, Dallas, Texas. He's written a book about his experience called Speechless, a great title. Pastor Dwayne has been married for over 50 years with two adult daughters and one granddaughter. Here's Dwayne Miller speaking at Allison Park Church in Pennsylvania, and we're picking up as he dives into his story. January 1990, I got out of bed, 
and, and, and in the morning. And you know that feeling you get when you know you're coming down with something? You're not really sick, but just okay, give me stop. a minute and I will be. That's that, enough. That nasty. If you want to hear the rest of it, you got to go to Focus on the Family website, go on the program, and you can hear the whole testimony, okay? Believe me, you will be blessed because it goes along with exactly what we are discussing. Now, I don't know about you, but I was blessed that I'm getting confirmation after confirmation from the Lord that this is a direction that he wants us to go in, okay? So we also learned that it's God's will for us to receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we as God's people have to have a desire for them. If we really don't care, if it's not important, if it's not a big deal, if we're not really hungry and thirsty and desiring to see God move, then it's not going to, God's not going to honor that. We have to have a sincere desire and appetite to see the Lord move in this area. And first Corinthians chapter 14, verse one, the Bible says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. The Holy Spirit is, is encouraging us and motivating us and inspiring us. And he's saying, I want you to eagerly desire these gifts. The same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31. But earnestly desire the best gifts. Listen what it, to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So church, I'm going to need your help. We're going to need to work together to let God know that we have a desire to know Him intimately, personally, supernaturally, miraculously, and that we have a desire to see Him move. We need to do this together. Can you say amen, church? Because that's what God tells us or instructs us. So now let's go and make reference to our text for this morning found in Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 through 11, which makes reference to John the Baptist. What does, uh, what does this have to do with the ministry of the Holy Spirit? Every time I talk about the Holy Spirit, I have to bring up John the Baptist. He's a cool character to me. We, we know today that John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus Christ. What that means is that he was sent by God as a prophet, an Old Testament prophet, to prepare the way for the introduction of the public ministry of the Messiah and Savior of the world, whom we know today is Jesus Christ. And notice how the Bible describes John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 4, it says, John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. That means that he probably had some serious bad breath, okay? The Bible tells us that John was not wearing fancy robes or any kind of clothing that would identify him as a clergy or a priest or a minister or a rabbi, nor was he offering the people anything like Starbucks coffee or donuts or free food or dance lessons or exercise clinics or financial planning. There was no marketing. There was no advertising. There was no TV. There was no radio. There was no internet. There was no social media. Listen, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, you don't need any of that because God can do his own advertising. Can you say amen, church? And that's what makes this so amazing. Because the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Verse 5 and 6 tells us that there were many people, multitudes of people, perhaps hundreds, even thousands of people that were going out there to hear John the Baptist preach. Now, in my own imagination... In my own mind, I imagine John the Baptist that being a great preacher, a powerful preacher, an awesome preacher, an anointed preacher. Why? Because the Spirit of God was on John's life. We know this because of what it says in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 39 through 41. It says this, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country. Now Mary is the mother of the Christ child. She was pregnant at this time with the Christ child. And it says, Now Mary, the mother of Christ, arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias 
and greeted Elizabeth. Zacharias and Elizabeth were the parents of John the Baptist. Elizabeth at this time was six months pregnant with John the Baptist. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So before John the Baptist was even born, he already got hit with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as a result of John the Baptist anointing and powerful preaching, the Bible tells us that people came. They came from Jerusalem. They came to Judea. They came from all around the region of Jordan. And this is what is really amazing. The people were coming out to God and they were repenting. They weren't just coming out to check it out to see what was going on. No, they were hearing the word of God and they were repenting and they were getting baptized in water and they were turning from their wicked ways and they were they were flooding the altar and living in the fear of the Lord. Another amazing thing as to why I like to read this story about John the Baptist is because in this section of scripture that talks about John the Baptist, he it mentions that there's nothing in the Bible that mentions anything about John the Baptist doing any miracles. He didn't do any signs and wonders. It mentions nothing about supernatural acts of God. It was just the anointed preaching that was drawing the people and resulting in multitudes repenting and getting baptized. Listen, we have to remember that all God really needs for people to come to him is the word of God. As long as we're preaching the word of God, that's enough power. That's enough anointing. That's enough salvation that any of us can have. Now, if he wants to add signs and wonders, that's more of a blessing. Can you say amen? But remember, this is all we need, church, the word of God. The people came. The people responded. The people repented. Hearts were touched. People who were mean and vulgar and violent and rebellious and bitter and angry. They filled with hatred and wrath and bondage and all kinds of sin. They repented because of the anointed. Another point that I'd like to make about this scripture is that all of this was happening in the wilderness. It wasn't in the city. It wasn't, uh, it was in the wilderness. It was not happening in the temple. It was not happening in the city of Jerusalem. It was not happening in a new, modern, beautiful building with all of the comforts and conveniences and high-tech devices. All this was going on in the wilderness. The people were so desperate that they were willing to go out into the wilderness, out into the middle of nowhere to get right with God and experience peace with God. Today, we have so many people searching for God. They've tried Scientology. They've tried New Age. They've tried the psychics. They've tried the gurus. They've tried Kabbalah. They've tried exercise programs. They've tried yoga, meditation, horoscopes, palm reading, education. They've tried all kinds of drugs and alcohol, the party scene, the club scene, sexually perverted acts, uh, liposuction, lap bands, plastic surgery, Bosley, get me some new hair, God, and I'll be happy. There are those with marriage problems. There are those having trouble with their children. There are those with, that are orphans and widows and homeless and hungry and ex-cons. And you even have those people who have discovered wealth and materialism, financial success and popularity. But all of this has been empty and fake and hollow. And yet they were repenting because of the power and anointing of the Lord. And then John the Baptist speaks these words in Matthew three eleven. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What is John the Baptist saying? If you think that what is happening here with me now is powerful, Guess what? The Messiah is coming. Someone who is greater and mightier than I is coming. I'm just prepping the way. I'm just here temporarily. Get yourself right with God before it's too late. Jesus is coming. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, I'm going to say Jesus is coming. Repent and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Messiah is coming and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. The Messiah will usher in the fire of the Holy Spirit, which will empower the believer for the mighty works, the miraculous works, the supernatural works of God. The Spirit of God is going to reside in you. 
and will be anointed. You, you'll be anointed to do great works for God. How many of you want that anointing on your life? Can you say amen, church? This is what we're talking about, the anointing of God's spirit. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 gives us now some information about our transition. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, it says this. Now, when Jesus had heard that John, John the Baptist, had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. You know, there's a time schedule in God's calendar. We don't understand it. We don't know it. But there's a time schedule in God's calendar. Jesus was waiting for this moment. John's time now had finished. They put him in prison. Herod put him in prison. And eventually, sadly, he never got out of prison. John the Baptist's head was cut off. He was killed in prison. But from that point on, Jesus began his ministry. Jesus not only preaches a word with anointing, but backs it up with signs and wonders, with miracles and supernatural acts of the power of God, with the fire and anointing of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. It says this, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. I want everyone to say those four words, and he healed them. Say it one more time, church, and he healed them. And how many of you believe that God can do it today? Can you say amen, church? He healed them, church. Now, Jesus says these words in John chapter 10, verse 37 and 38. He says this, don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. Even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Jesus is saying, even if you don't believe what I'm teaching you, even though it's anointed teaching, even if you don't believe what I'm preaching to you, even though it's anointed preaching, believe me for the works that you have seen me do in your face. That's what he's saying to the people. He says it again in John chapter 14, verse 11. It says this, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. If not, believe because of the things I do. I am telling you the truth. Those who believe in me will do what I do. Yes, they will do even greater things because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask for, for in my name so that the Father's glory will be shown through the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will stay with you forever. He is the Spirit who reveals the truth about God. The world cannot receive him because it cannot see him or know him. But you know him because he remains with you and is in you. So what makes the ministry of the Holy Spirit so powerful is that you have great anointed preaching of the word of God backed up with the powerful supernatural works of God. Works that God himself tells us we would do in the name of Jesus Christ. We heard some of that work or we experienced some of that through our sister Darlene. Those of you that take time to listen to this testimony on Focus on the Family, you're going to hear another bit of evidence of the work of God. But the reason why the Spanish congregation is here this morning is because there's a family in the Spanish church that received the miracle from the Lord, and I wanted them to share their testimony this morning. So I'm going to uh, invite Giovanni and the rest of his family up to the platform right now. And I want Giovanni to share his testimony with you here this morning, to share what God did in his life. And I see that his dad, his brother, and his mom are coming up, which is great. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so let's welcome all the way up here, Giovanni, all the way up here to the top. Okay. So Giovanni, I'm going to have you start it off. Okay. And share a little bit about what happened. And then we're going to kind of flow and see what God has and what he wants to share in terms of the rest of your family, all right? Great. Praise Sounds good. So first of all, I want to say good morning to everybody here. I hope everyone's having a wonderful Sunday morning. Um, my name is Giovanni Salazar. I usually go by Gio. Born and raised here in the San Fernando Valley. Actually, I live currently in the neighboring city of uh, Canoga Park. <clears throat> so 
I'll start off with the role that God had in my life. So I always believed that there was a God, and but that was the extent of it. Um, I grew up believing in God. He's there. He helps us. He's always there for us. But I never read the Bible. I didn't know anything, the verses. Um, my mom recently, like a year ago, year and a half ago, she had downloaded the Bible app, and she started sending me verses every day, verse of the day. And I would just read it, and I would say, okay, cool. And that was it. I would read it, forget about it, till the next day. And so that's that's the extent that God, uh, the role, the the role that God had in my life before. Fast forward to the pandemic, 2020, hard year. People lost their jobs. People died. It was horrible. I was grateful enough to have been blessed by being able to work from home. But I saw the things that were going on outside, and, and it hurt me. And, you know, people, people tried to cope in different ways. I saw people started baking, finding hobbies, finding things to distract themselves while they were stuck at home. I turned to working out. So during that time in 2020, I started working out. I had a good workout routine. I felt strong. I felt physically fit. I was like, this is great. Everything's good. You know, everything's great. You know, I'm making the best of what I can in this situation. And that all changed um, October 31st. So I usually tend to have my hair short, unlike now. My dad would always cut my hair every time. So on that October 31st, that Saturday, it was just like another day. I said, Dad, can you know do me a favor and give me a little trim like you always do? He said, sure. So there um, in the bathroom is where uh, he would usually cut my hair. So we were there. He started cutting my hair. And suddenly he like nicked the back of my ear. And I was like, okay, it's, you know, it's nothing. And time just kept on passing by. And soon after, I started feeling woozy, blurry vision. And I just completely blacked out. I woke up and I was in facing up in the bathtub. My entire family was just around me, worried, because they had seen me completely just go from fine to just like fainting. I had fainted right there in that moment. They told me, they described to me what, uh, what they had seen, that I was pale. I had been shaking, weak, and my dad thought that I was going to die. He, 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 he told me, you looked like you were a corpse, like there was no life in you. And I didn't know what to believe. I, I was just stunned because that had never happened to me. I'm perfectly fine. I'd gone to the doctor all my previous years and checkups. Everything's good, nothing high, no high cholesterol, anything like that. So it was strange. Um, everybody got scared. They were thinking, you know, should we go to the hospital or something? And I said, no, you know. There's a pandemic going on. There's a bunch of COVID uh, patients in the hospital right now. Uh, and I feel fine right now. For the rest of that day, I felt fatigued, tired, sleepy. But I thought nothing of it. I said, you know what, maybe it was the sight of blood from the cut that they had, that my dad had given me. Even though I had seen blood before, nothing had happened. So I just threw it off as something else. I said, okay, it's whatever nothing to worry about. We all tried to play it off as if it was nothing. Uh, a, week and late, uh, a week and a half later, I was working from home in my room, and I usually have my door closed so as to minimize any distractions that I might have. And I was just going to stand up for a little while. I stood up, and I started feeling same type of symptoms again. Out of nowhere, woozy, lightheaded, blurry vision, ringing in the ears. I felt weak. I felt like I was going to collapse right there. I managed to go to the door, open it, and it was right before lunchtime when I would usually come out. And my family was out there, and I saw my dad, and he was happy to see me. He was like, okay, it's time for lunch. But he saw me, and I was pale. That's what they told me, that I was pale. And I, at that point, everything was woozy. I can't even remember clearly at this point. 
it, it was horrible. And I was going to fall, but luckily they had seen me, they caught me, and they managed to support me and bring me to the living room couch. And it was at that point that we all started getting worried. I started getting worried. I said, what's going on? It's one thing that it happened once, but in such a short time span, twice, I, I was surprised. I was shocked. I was stunned. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, there was nothing that could have triggered that. I was fine. But at that point is when I decided to make a doctor's appointment. So I went to the doctor. They did a general checkup on me. They said, okay, your blood pressure is fine. Everything's fine. They did all the normal tests that they do. They said, let's run a blood test. I said, okay. They ran the blood test. They found nothing. And she said, actually, in the blood test, uh, your calcium and protein levels were a little bit high, but that happens to be sometimes lab errors, so let's run that again. I said, okay, let's do it. And during that time, from that time to the blood test, I started to lose a lot of weight. I had been in good shape, and for some reason, I was weak, dramatic loss in weight, nearly 20 pounds. I didn't know what to do. Went to get my second blood test done. And uh, it was in the sixth floor here in West Hills. I went to get my second blood test. Everything was fine. My dad was with me. He accompanied me there. Got my blood test. Went down to the ground floor. Went down the parking lot. And me and my family, during this time, we were extremely worried. We were like, what's going on? They, it was highly visible what was going on with me. I was, I was skinny. It's extremely skinny. And from going to being in a good shape to just randomly losing all this weight, I was weak. And so they were thinking, you know, maybe us trying to figure out solutions, home remedies, were like, maybe he needs more sun, you know. I'm working from home. I don't really go out that much. That could be it. And so in the parking lot, there was a little bit of sunlight, and my dad said, hey, let's just, you know, chill out here for a little bit. Let's walk around. Let the sunlight hit us a little bit. And so it was a good idea. And in that time, when we were in that parking lot of where I had gotten my blood test done, I started feeling the same things all over again. The wooziness, the weakness. I was about to faint right then and there, but luckily my dad had been there to catch me and put me in the truck. But from then on onwards, I, I was like, what's, I don't know what's going on. I was three times already in about a month. And so I said, something is wrong with me. Something's really wrong. I've gone to the doctor. They did the general checkup on me. Nothing's wrong. And in that moment, I called my doctor and I said, hey, this just happened. I went to go get my second blood test done. And I nearly fainted again for the third time. And she said, okay, that's strange, um, but let's refer you to a cardiologist. I said, great, let's do that. So in that time span, the problem was that, you know, with the, with the COVID pandemic and everything, it was extremely hard to get appointments on time and everything was just delayed. If it wasn't, if it had, had nothing to do with COVID, they would just push it back. It was nothing important or anything. But me, I was just, I, I don't know what's going on. And so I got the cardiologist appointment done, set it up. And this was around November now. November 24th, Thanksgiving, I started feeling chest pains, very hard chest pains, strong. And I was like, this is something that I don't normally feel, you know. I, I work out. I used to work out. I do all this. Like, why, why am I young? Why am I getting these chest pains? But I ignored it. We had Thanksgiving dinner, and I didn't tell my family anything because I didn't want them to worry. Because one thing I, I just hate is having people worry about me. And so I just played, it, played along like nothing was wrong, had Thanksgiving dinner at home, but... Me, I was suffering inside mentally, everything. I was like, I'm having these chest pains. I don't know what's going on. And I ignored them. Woke up next day, day after Thanksgiving Friday, and they wouldn't go away. They just kept on coming. The strong chest pains that I couldn't explain. And so we would go on walks to the park to get some sunlight because we were trying to figure out what it was. We didn't know what it was. The doctor hadn't said anything. We were waiting for the cardiologist appointment. 
And then there, I was like, you know, I can't, I can't keep this in anymore. I told my parents, I was like, you know, I've been having chest pains. This is something that I'm not used to. I don't know what's going on. I kind of want to go to the hospital and get this checked out because I don't know what it could be. So they said, okay. My dad took my mom and my brother home. And then he took me by himself to the hospital. Uh, he took me to the ER and, you know, do the COVID protocols. I had to go in by myself, and my dad was extremely worried. I was weak. At this point, I was very skinny. I didn't know what was going on. I barely ate. I had no appetite. It was all bad. So we went to the hospital, went to the ER. They uh, ran all the tests on me, did another blood test. And since I was experiencing chest pains, they sort of prioritized me over any other people that were in the waiting room at that moment because they didn't know if this was going to be a heart attack or something else. And clearly, I didn't know what it, what it was. So they ran tests on me. They did everything on me. They did uh, x-rays on me, everything. And they said, and I was there for hours. And finally, the doctors came out and they said, we did all these tests on you, the x-ray on you. We can't find anything. Nothing. And I came to the ER in hopes that, you know, let's go, instead of going like to the doctor and having step-by-step, I said, let's fast forward to the ER. Maybe they can pinpoint exactly what's going on. Help me find it. Diagnose me something, anything. I was desperate. And they said, no, nothing. And so we didn't find anything. And you can't stay here because there's nothing, there's there's not a reason for you to stay here. And I continued to feel the chest pains, and I was confused. I was like, what do you mean there's nothing? Like, you didn't find anything? I I can feel it. It, This isn't okay. And she said, I told her, I I do have a cardiologist appointment coming up next week. She said, that's good. Uh, Just keep on with that process. But for now, this hospital can't help you. You you, Best choice for you is to go home. You run a greater risk of being here in the hospital than just going home. So, okay. I went home, and at that point, I didn't know what to do with this isolation, lost uh, a lot of weight. I was weak. I could barely even walk sometimes, didn't have an appetite or anything, and I'm not a usually an emotional person. I don't really cry, but that night, I broke down crying out of nowhere. My family was there. They were worried. They never see me crying. I never cry. I just broke down because I I didn't know what to do. They had said nothing was wrong. They had run the blood tests. I had gone to the ER, and still nothing, 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 nothing. And how I wish they could have told me, hey, you know, you have this disease. You have this. This is what you have. This is what you need to do. These are the medications you need to take. How I wish they would have told me that. But they couldn't find anything. I went to the cardiologist to my appointment. And the cardiologist looked at me, and everybody in the office looked at me, and they said, what are are you doing here? You're way too young to be here. What's going on? And they sort of laughed. And I said, no. It's, you know, I was referred to this, and I told them the whole story of what was going on. So they were a little concerned. They said, okay, we're going to run all the tests on you. We're going to run an EKG, an echocardiogram. Even put a Holter monitor on me for 24 hours to monitor how it was, uh, how my heart was. Did all those tests? Nothing. 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 And I said, "Geez." And you know, with these with these appointments, there's such a long process. So you you do the appointment, they give you the tests. Probably like weeks later, they give you the results, and they say we didn't find anything. We don't know what's going on. So then uh, after that point, me and my family were desperate. I was extremely weak. I was super skinny. My family, they didn't want to show it to me, but they were extremely worried. They didn't know what to do. We had been following all the procedures. We went to doctors. We went to all of this and nothing. Now, my dad, he works installing electrical signs. So when the pandemic hit, uh, it took a big hit on him. He basically wasn't able to work. His uh, job is based on being able to help uh, install and fix electrical signs for small businesses. 
So when small businesses came down, so did my dad. So during this time, it was hard. My dad had been getting requests from one of his previous uh, friends, coworkers, about jobs that he could do in the earnings time. And my dad had turned them down because he was extremely worried about me, how, how he saw my condition, what had happened to me. And he said, I can't leave knowing that I'll leave my son at home and what happens if I'm not there. And so he, he would turn down these things. But then one day, December 19th, he said, you know what? He had been starting to look towards God because we, we didn't know what to do. And he said, I'm going to take this job. I'm going to go out to Pasadena. But he wasn't thinking right. And I was just stuck at home trying to distract myself with anything. But I felt horrible. It's weak. When I would turn my head motions to talk to people, they were extremely weak. I, I didn't feel by myself that this was something that I had never experienced before. Extremely strange. So my dad went out to Pasadena. And when uh, on the drive back, he was just, you know, he was thinking about me, how I, how I was and everything. And that's when Sister Dina called him. And Sister Dina is a family friend that we've had for a long time, but it had been a while since we had had some recent communication. So Sister Dina called him and said, Hey, Johnny, how are you? How's everything? Um, she had been, she had called to ask about a recipe, one of my mom's recipes that it was nearing the holiday season. And she said, Oh, we were just thinking about how your wife makes all these great foods and we were wondering if you could give us the recipe. And so she talked about this, and she, that was her intention, and everything was good. But my dad just let her talk, and he was sort of not even concentrated on that topic, everything that was going on. And then finally she said, Johnny, how are you? How's your family? And my dad broke down after that, told her everything, started crying in the car, and told her everything that was going on with me extremely sick, don't know what's going on, went to the doctors, went to the cardiologist, nothing wrong. And Sister Dina, that's when she said, well, I have a sister here who does prayer in the church that I go to. Would you be open to having that for your son, a sort of prayer for your son? And my dad said, yes. He said, okay. So that night he went home. Uh, he told us everything that had happened. He asked me, Gio, are you okay with this? And I said, yes, let's do it. So then we called uh, Sister Iris from the Spanish congregation. And she did a prayer with us. She told us that we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And she did all this process about anointing us with oil, with my family having their hands on me. And we did the whole prayer. She did an amazing prayer, something that I had never experienced before in my life. As previously had said, I had always believed in God, but I didn't have a sort of personal connection. I hadn't read the Bible or anything. I didn't know anything. And so she did, uh, she did the prayer for us. And it was extremely powerful. My dad, tears started rolling down his face. My brother... Tears started rolling down his face for no, no reason, just something I had never seen before. I had never seen them cry like that. And after that, an amazing prior, prayer from Sister Iris and Sister Dina, who connected us with her. My family found a peace that they needed. I found support and peace that I personally needed in a time when I didn't know where to turn to. I had turned to the doctors. They had told me nothing was wrong, but I could feel it. You could see it. You could see how I was not okay. I was not a healthy individual. I was skinny. I was weak. I was feeble. And from there, Sister Iris told us, would you be interested in being able to, you know, due to the COVID pandemic, we're having all our church uh, services and Bible studies online, would you be, would you care to join us? And we do prayers in there. And we said, yeah, it'd be great. And from there on, 
We never missed a day, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Friday, joining in with the prayers, with Bible studies, learning more about the Word of God. And slowly, we started seeing change. During that time, that same time that they had done the prayer and connected us with the Spanish congregation, the cardiologist told me, we didn't find anything. Uh, let's refer you to a neurologist. Maybe he'll know something. Maybe it's a brain thing. I said, okay. So this was all happening uh, parallel to each other. Uh, I went to the neurologist. They did EEG on me, and he asked me all these questions, and they said they connected all the uh, sort of things on my brain to measure my uh, neurons and impulses, and they said, Nothing wrong. We, we can't find anything, you know. I mean, there's nothing there that would sort of explain this behavior that you're telling us. So I said, okay. I didn't know what to do. But at least I had the support of the Spanish congregation here and the word of God. And through prayers and faith, slowly started seeing improvements. I never took any medication, never took anything. They never, they didn't give me anything that would help me. And it was just through prayers and through having faith that I managed to recover slowly but surely. And it was an amazing experience. I couldn't believe it. I said, I, I don't know what's going on. I didn't take anything. I didn't take a super pill that magically cured me. It was slowly and surely with the support of the Spanish congregation and prayers and faith that I realized that this works. This is working. I can't explain it, but it's working. And this incident not only brought me closer to God, because I needed support that I didn't know I needed. And it brought me down to my knees. I had never been so low before. Pandemic, everything, my health, something that I had never worried about. Because I, why would I worry about it? I'm a young person, you know? And it brought me down, brought me down to my knees. But not only did it bring me closer to God, but it brought my family closer as well. I believe that this could, uh, what I've heard is that God sometimes does, makes us make certain situations that brings people closer to him. And I wasn't aware of that. And so here I, here I am standing before you today, much better than how I was before. I, I can't even believe how how I looked, how I felt. It was something horrible, something that I'd never want anybody to experience because it's something that you wish doctors would tell you, hey, you're sick, this is what you need to do. But in my case, no. I went to the doctor, went to the cardiologist, I went to the neurologist, nothing. They were like, nothing's wrong. We don't know what to give you because we didn't find anything. We can't diagnose you with anything. But through faith, prayers, and God, that ended up being the cure for me and my family. Amen. First of all, I think we should say thank you to Jesus for this miracle standing right in front of us. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to say thank you, Lord, for this miracle that is right before our eyes. It's in our face, Lord God, your power. Where man was helpless, we could do nothing, Lord God. There was no solution for what Giovanni was going through, Lord, and you came through for him, and you're doing a great work, and we thank you for that right now, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Giovanni, I know that you have a lot more to say. It sounds like you have a lot more to say, but... One I, last thing I do have. Because I want to bring your dad up too, okay? But go ahead, go ahead. I'll say one last thing is that before we would have sort of fear of things, you know, but after this incident... And after learning more through the Word of God and attending all these sessions, 
I don't really have fear anymore of anything. Amen. <laughs> Because God is always on our side. And, and I want to uh, cite this verse that actually is one of my mom's favorite verses and slowly become one of mine. Joshua 1.9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Thank you. Ahora, um, Johnny, ¿verdad? ¿Se siente a gusto hablando inglés o quiere un, un, un intérprete? Okay. Uh, I'm going to... Terry, do you feel comfortable interpreting? Yes. Okay. So give me that little... Uh, give me that. Yes. Spray it for me. I just want to say thank you to God for all his blessings for my family and his mercy. Thank you, God. Thank you to my church. Thank you to my sister uh, Iris, my sister Dina. Thank you. I will say thank you to my church. And I'm so happy now to have my son like normal. Thank you, God. Señora, ¿quieres hacer unas, unas palabritas? Como usted quiera, si se siente a gusto. We want to hear from mom here really quick, okay? All right. En español, sí. sí su hijo va a estar aquí para, para ayudarle, okay? Pues les doy gracias a todos los hermanos que, han, que oraron por mi hijo. Y le doy gracias especialmente a Dios. We want to thank our brothers and sisters Gracias. and God for everything he, they, they did and all the prayers and God that he did to help us. Gracias a todos. Thank Gracias you, everyone. Thank you, God. How about you, little brother? You want to say anything? Yeah? All right. Tell us your name and how old you are, okay? Hello, my name is uh, Johnny Salazar. I'm 14 years old, and I really want to say thank you to the church and everybody because it's a, there, there was a big change in our life. I really want to thank God, thank all of our brothers and sisters. Thank you very much. Very, very good. All right, well, we're going to do a final prayer to conclude everything, okay? And uh, what I'm going to do, you guys, if you feel comfortable, I'm going to, if anybody does need prayer, I want you to pray with them, okay? Si se sienten a gusto, quiero que, voy a pedir, si alguien necesita oración, voy a pedirles que se acerquen. Y quiero que ustedes están bien, si se sienten bien orando por ellos, ¿sí? Okay, very good. Um, I want to be careful with this. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I really feel that dad has a strong anointing on his life. I mean, if you hear him, if you have a conversation, if you get a, get into a conversation with him and he starts talking to you, he was, he was a little challenged because he was speaking in English. But when he gets going in Spanish, my friend, you're going to feel the spirit of God. Believe me. Se siente muy fuerte el espíritu, mi hermano, cuando usted empieza a hablar. Y, uh, y se siente muy fuerte. Y es una cosa muy, es una bendición. Y ojalá que Dios pueda hacer unas cosas milagrosas con su vida. Porque uh, sí se siente el Espíritu Santo muy fuerte. And you spoke really well this morning. It's the first time I heard you speak. Very, very good communication. Very good. You articulated everything really well. You had it organized. And uh, I enjoyed it. It was really good job. Thank Did a you. great, great Thank job. You. Thank you, everyone. All right. Well, listen. Uh, We can't teach this. We can't preach about this. This is a God thing, okay? Now, I'm preaching and I'm teaching to the best of my ability, but there's other things that happen in life that are unexplainable, that are unteachable, that you have to just experience, and this is one of them. So God is just letting us know, look, I'm teaching you, I'm preaching it to you, and I'm showing you through signs and wonders that this is real. God is real. He's powerful. He's here today to help you. He's here to hear, here today to minister to you. He can change your life if you just open up your heart and allow 
allow him to continue to work in you. So let's go ahead and pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we just celebrate, Lord God, this wonderful testimonial, this wonderful miracle of what you did in Giovanni's life, Lord. We thank you for having mercy on him, Lord. Thank you for sparing his life. Lord God, he could have died, Lord God. The doctors didn't have a solution. They had no idea what was going on. They could provide him absolutely no help, no support, nothing, Lord God. Again, we thank you for our doctors and our medical technology. But in this case, it was absolutely useless, Lord. It was you, God. You get the glory. You get the praise. You, Lord God, get the honor in this situation. You spared his life. And we say thank you to you, Dr. Jesus, the divine healer. And we praise you for that, Lord. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this morning, you are not a Christian, and you want to surrender your life to the Lord, just lift up your hand right now. We will pray. Anyone at all says, Jerry, I am not a Christian. Those of you that are watching online, if you want to say this prayer of repentance, it's the same prayer that Giovanni said in his ignorance. He was naive. He didn't know what was going on. But thank God there was a Christian sister that came to support him and to encourage him and to lead him in a prayer of repentance, a prayer of accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And here he stands now, a brand new creation with his family also. So if you're listening right now and you want to receive Jesus Christ, just repeat this prayer with me right now. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I understand that I am a sinner and I realize today that you, Jesus, died on the cross for me. It was personal and intimate for me. And so today, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of all of my sins. I thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. And today, I receive the free gift of salvation that you offer to all mankind. Heal my soul. Save my soul from destruction. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, I want you to know you belong to the Lord now. You're on your way to heaven. Your sins are forgiven. And like Giovanni, your life will be changed from this day forward.